In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. This morning began, no bueno, no good, because Bobby had taken Red to nursery. I brought Fenna in the shower with me. She has a lovely little, if I could shout it out, baby Bjorn bouncer, and you can attach these spinning things to it, and she'll just sit, you know, because you can't, Fenna can walk, Fenna can run. And you can't just leave her, but you do need to live a normal life and have a shower sometimes whilst looking after an infant. So you pop them in this chair and it's fun enough for them that when they kick and stuff, it sort of has a lovely hammock, almost trampoline bouncing effect. And she's pretty well entertained in there for a while. So she's on the bathroom floor and that I'm in the shower and everything's going great. I was planning on taking her to Waitrose. Artie Pop, my favorite luxury baby carrier, just sent me a magic belt bag. So I was really excited to go out in that, get some errands done, maybe pick up a chai latte. I come out of the shower and I'm getting dressed in the little wardrobe room where I've got my hair dryer. You know, I'm really trying to prioritize a bit of self-care. I used to go out the door with like puke on me, bit of piss, dirty from yesterday. I'm talking about when both babies were very small. But now I'm like, all right, Fena is 11 months today. She's going to be one soon blow dry your hair, it's cold outside. So I'm taking that lovely time for myself. And while I was doing it, Fenna's on the floor playing with some bottles, playing with some like different little things from the bathroom that I've given her as, you know, enjoyment pieces. She really loves products, that girl. She really does. I know you're not supposed to apply gender stereotypes, but she will go up to Violet's bedroom and just tear out like all her perfumes, all her different hair care accessories, like beauty things. She just loves it all carries little bottles of things around like lotions and potions and then puts them back. So I gave her a little basket of mine and she's taking out all this skincare and just looking at it, not opening it, but like playing with the bottles. Of course, they're shiny, they're beautiful. Well done on the packaging to everyone who sends me stuff. And then I look in the mirror and I thought, I am gorgeous because I'm breastfeeding less. I never thought my boobs would return to their original positioning. And like, to be fair, they haven't returned to the original place that they used to be in. They're not at their like previous latitude, but they're all right. And they're getting smaller all the time. And my nipples are shrinking back to normal size. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, great. I would be lying to you if I was like, oh, I didn't mind at all being two stone heavier and being pregnant for the last four years and all these different things. Like pregnancy is a season. I'm excited to be skinny again. I like it. I fit into all my other clothes. I have very beautiful clothes that I want to fit into. I'm happy. I look in the mirror. My ass is not also in the right place, but it's getting there. If I flex it, if I like clench, my butt is in the right place. 
So anyway, looking in the mirror and I was naked and I was like, oh, great. This is perfect. It's all coming back together. I pick Fena up. I have her on my hip. I'm going between the wardrobe room and my room. I'm going out and I'm just alone in the house with the baby, feeling very confident about being naked. I grab my phone, which was in Fena's bedroom, and I look at it and there was a ring at the doorbell seven minutes prior. Seven minutes when you're naked is kind of a long time. I'm at the big picture window at the front of my house on the first floor. I look up from my phone and who do I see at the gate? who's definitely been just sat in his car for the last seven minutes is a gardener landscaper person that Bobby has asked to come to the house. He did tell me beforehand that someone was coming this morning, but I had forgotten. And this guy and I made eye contact. He saw me naked. I don't know how many times I strutted past that window. I just didn't think of it because it has to be very well lit in there to be able to see from the street. And cars are usually zipping by on my road, so they can't really see from the street. Even when I'm driving to the house, I often look up to check, like, how much can you see in that picture window? And if the blinds open, it's usually dark up there, really not much. But our house is on lighting sensors, and because I'd been moving around and it's a gloomy day, it might as well have been nighttime, dark outside, light inside, this guy was looking at me. And he didn't look like a pervert. You know, he wasn't like, hmm. He just looked very embarrassed, like, oh, he looked down straight away and uh, looked like he wished that he hadn't seen what he'd seen, which makes me feel like maybe my body is not as rocking as I thought it was. Uh, yeah. And then I had to like let him in the house and get him a drink and be like, Ugh, my husband's just dropping Fred at nursery. He'll be back shortly. Sorry about I didn't mention it. I'm British a bit enough to just act like it didn't happen. But this guy's totally see me like stark naked. Stark naked from the side, stark naked from the back, stark naked from the, at least like one of my boobs was obscured by holding the baby a lot of the time. But I mean, you can see, it's my ass that really I'm the least pleased about because I walked away from the window a lot too. And the ass needs work, but I'm not allowed to go to Turkey because Bobby said I might die. Speaking of might die, what a whirlwind in this house. The last week has been don't worry, I know people don't like to hear about sick or injured animals. Everything is fine now. Let me just begin by saying that. But I had a stressful week. I was working a lot, dealing with a lot in the house, and I do feel badly that since the babies have been born, the dogs get less attention than before. They still get a lot of attention. We have Miriam, our wonderful nanny. She pays them attention. Violet is a teenager, forgets sometimes to give them fresh water, but does give them some attention. The babies love them. I love them. Bobby loves them. So there are enough people in the house who are around. The dogs are never alone. But in fairness, we don't carry the dogs and really zero in on what's happening mentally with the dogs as much as we used to. We have missed a few ear infections here and there. We have forgotten to brush teeth a little bit here and there. The dogs have each other, though. And I did notice that Megan last week was not feeling very well. Tuesday or Wednesday... She got up and she was just a bit funny, like listless, didn't have the energy that she normally has, wasn't playing with her toys. Sometimes when Megan's unwell, and you know, Megan's adventurous. She will eat this or that. She positions herself under the baby's high chair like she gets things she shouldn't get. Sometimes she gets a funny tummy and she will throw up or she just acts a little bit funny for a day and then she's fine again. Megan's seven years old, almost eight. She is robust. She is usually pretty exuberant. But with small, small, small dogs, and you know how small my dogs are, 
they don't go for a lot of walks, like long walks. You can't, they don't run, they don't chase balls or anything. So you can't really tell how sick they are. On this occasion though, Megan was very sick. So I went to work, I had a wonderful corporate in central London and I got back Wednesday night around midnight. And by then Megan had been sick for like a day and a half and Violet had already put the dogs to bed in their crates. Crates are not mean, by the way, especially when you have multiple dogs. They each like a dedicated space that is safe to sleep at night. They're in big, big, big crates, even though they're very tiny. They have beds in there, water in there, toys in there. They're fine. They're happy to go in of their own volition before you cancel me for putting my dogs in crates. And Megan, I noticed when I came in at midnight, was at the front of her crate standing up. She wasn't in the back by the beds like the other two. And I thought, oh, that's funny. I went in got some water, I washed my makeup off, and I could have just gone straight to bed, but instead I was like, no, I need to just check in with Megan. I took her out of the crate. I noticed that she was in respiratory distress. Bobby was still awake and he checked on Megan a couple times too, but he doesn't really recognize the signs of like A&E style respiratory distress, as evidenced by the fact that he's considered taking the kids to like A&E and the doctor when they definitely didn't need to go. He is one of the very famous immigrants we hear about that are a drain on the NHS. Bobby, without me, would be that. Or you could just call him a very concerned father. Better safe than sorry. But I know, like, I don't know why I feel like I have EMT first aid medical training. Like, I do have first aid training. And I was a lifeguard for a little bit of time. And I did the babysitter's course, like, in my life. But also, I'm a loser and I like read a lot online and I read a lot about sepsis and heart disease and I just read stuff when it comes across my path. And for some reason, in this pea brain that doesn't know whether the car takes diesel or petrol, I know the signs of respiratory distress in a dog. I know the signs that a dog is needing to go to emergency care. And I just clocked it straight away in Megan. She was breathing kind of shallow, like, and she just looked sick. I mean, what can I say? I just looked at her and I went, this dog's going to die any minute. And so I wrapped her in a towel. I got back in my car at midnight and I drove to the local vet. I rang them on the way. They're only a few minutes away. They have a 24-hour service that's actually called Vets Now. And they've been blowing up my inbox for a review. Well, I can't be bothered to click through the link, but Vets Now... I mean, I wish that humans got the kind of service that vets now get. And I went in there. They noticed right away that, yeah, Megan needs to be taken into emergency intensive care. They got her an IV. They started giving her right away antibiotics, fluids. They assessed her breathing. They put her in an oxygen tent because her saturation was really low. Her gums were turning blue. Like she was in trouble. And the vet was very knowledgeable, very good with me. And she said on her way out, I, I said, well, what, do you think Megan's going to die? And she didn't mince words. She was like, yes, maybe. And I thought, oh, my God. So I went home that evening. Bobby waited up for me. And I just was like, uh, I didn't see it coming. I feel like Megan might never come back with us. And that was a huge shock. We love Megan. And it made me just think of like all the times that I had maybe ignored Megan or prioritized the babies. Like this is the thing about having a bunch of kids is it's lovely, but you only have enough of you, so much of you to go around. And then other things, people and relationships and dogs and teenagers have to share you all of a sudden with these babies. 
And I really do need to change the way I parent because I am missing things in my family. And this dog was fucking sick for like a day and a half. And I got her there right in time. Because in the morning they said, all right, Megan's now been handed over to the regular vets, the daytime vets. Uh, The bill was like 1,400 pounds, by the way, Uh, which is wild because we don't have pet insurance. So get pet insurance if you haven't got it already. I mean, a dog can go from perfect to not perfect in hours. And they said, Megan has some type of pulmonary disease, like lung bacteria, like pneumonia, or she might have a parasitic lung disease, like lungworm, we can't really tell. But she's so small, we think her oxygen's dropping, we might have to intubate her. The next 24 hours are really crucial. We can't do the CT scans and the intubation ventilation that we need at this hospital because your dog is the size of a fucking guinea pig. So we need to transfer her to Royal Veterinary Hospital, Queen something Veterinary Hospital, which is like happens to be 10 minutes away and it is the premier veterinary university in the country. If not the world, I have no information on that, but I really feel like it's up there with the world from what I have heard. So Megan goes in a pet ambulance. I was like, okay, I'll take her there. Like, no, you can't take her there because she needs oxygen like for the whole 10 minutes or she'll die. I was like, what the? So they didn't intubate her, which is when they put a tube down your throat, just like in humans. Instead, they just kept oxygen on her face and she was responding well to that. And they took her there and then they were like, yeah, well, we might have to do surgery, fill her lungs with fluid and then take the fluid out so that we can test the cells that were in her lungs, like find out what's going on. But first and foremost, she needs to be stable. And if she's not stable, we won't do this surgery. We don't even want to sedate her for a CT scan because like, we don't know if she'll wake up from the sedation. And I was just like, my mind was in all types of places. So I put a I stupidly, the, the net I checked, the night I checked her into the vet, I put a social media post being like, oh, when it rains, it pours, midnight, we're at the vets. I kind of did that not knowing how serious it actually was, but I'm glad I did it now. It was like quite thirsty at the time to be like, mm, cryptic, my dog's sick, and I feel bad about that. But I got a lot of messages and a lot of good vibes and a lot of prayers, and they worked because Megan made such a quick turnaround that first 24 hours. And the vets stopped telling me that they thought she would die. And they were like, yeah, we feel really confident now that she's going to recover. And they don't know now because they didn't end up doing the surgery. They didn't do the test. We're going to look at maybe doing that in two weeks. But does it really matter what she had if she has recovered? Might have been lungworm, though there was no evidence of that. You know, they sort of tried to, they did a blood test that was negative. They tried to get her poo. It didn't have any worms in it. But that doesn't mean for some reason that it wasn't lungworm, which sounds weird to me, but like... And they said she might also have pneumonia, but they don't know because they've given her treatment for both things that she might have and she's miraculously recovered so fine. But where would a little dog like Megan get pneumonia? Um, She could have aspirated something and then it got infected. Uh, She could have an infection from her previous ear infection that like traveled through the blood and settled in her lungs. Like we don't know. I am not a veterinarian, but I have to say I am so grateful to the experts who are on hand to look after Megan. It was such a pleasant experience going in there. You could see that like it was a world-class hospital that I would want to go to if I was ever sick. Like they really know their stuff. And they've given her medication to go home with now, uh, which is Viagra, surprisingly. Okay, yeah, Megan's on Viagra because (laughs) it's literally Viagra because the pressure on her heart from 
her lungs being diseased was creating hypertension and so she had an enlarged heart on one side and the Viagra helps dilate, I believe, the capillaries to let the blood through easier. Something like that. I'm imagining a heart working like a dick and like letting it get full of blood, I think. So that's why Viagra works. And she's on something else and another lungworm treatment and maybe still an antibiotic. Long story short, she is running around the house today. Megan has survived. Megan is well. Megan is better. And sometimes a terrible thing like that has a silver lining. And this silver lining is, and, and maybe hopefully this can happen for you without a trauma or some sort of distressing event, is you do have to cherish the things that you have and the pets and the people that you have while they are well because our lives are also fragile. So fragile. Like she was fine and then she was nearly dead. And I had to stop what I was doing and go, Catherine, you need to prioritize these dogs because these dogs will not outlive you. And Manny is almost 13. And Manny has had bouts of illness that I just, my God. So my message to you is get pet insurance if you don't have it because I haven't even got the bill from the pet hospital yet, but my deposit was two grand. Do you guys know Caitlin Lowry? Not even Caitlin. What is her name? Caitlin Lowry from Teen Mom. You will have to be exactly my age with a daughter exactly or son, Violet's age, to be into Teen Mom. It was this explosion reality show onto MTV, first in America, but has since branched out to different countries. There's a UK Teen Mom. I've never watched it. I became enthralled with the American version only because I felt like I was a teen mom. I was 24, pregnant with Violet, and the series came out following 15, 16, 17-year-olds in America who were navigating pregnancy and relationships and childbirth, and I just connected with them. And luckily, the series has continued and continued, so I've got to watch their children grow with the exact same timeline as my daughter, and here we are, just all teen moms navigating different lives. Uh, There's one on there called Farah Abraham, who definitely had some trauma. I mean, her relationship with her parents was very toxic. They have since appeared on a variety of reality shows since. The problem feels to me like it's her mom, but I mean, I'm not close to the family. Farah reached out to me because she watched The Duchess and she liked it and she sent me an Instagram message and I felt completely starstruck because her childhood and watching her grow just meant so much to me. She did get into pornography and other things, but she uh, she's in the news a lot. It seems to be very complex, but I think that she's happy and her daughter seems to be thriving and well now, so the rest is none of my business. She's very transparent about plastic surgery and stuff. I still follow her on Instagram. I'm entertained. There was a couple called Caitlin and Tyler from Port Huron, Michigan, which was right across the river from where I grew up. And their story was very moving. I mean, they were childhood sweethearts. I mean, 12 years old, but also Tyler's dad and Caitlin's mom were married. So they were stepbrother and sister, but they were also lovers. And now they're married and they have three children. They placed their baby for adoption because of addiction issues in the household. And they they really had a challenging life. I mean, it's gripping stuff. If you can go back to series one, 2009, of MTV's Teen Mom in the US, is so compelling. And I have always felt connected to these characters. 
I still feel connected to these characters. Don't get me started on Amber and Gary. Oh, uh, nothing compares to 2009 Teen Mom, original Teen Mom, Macy, Ryan, but also Kaylin and her ex, Joe. Kaylin was a very, again, like none of these young women have simple upbringings and linear stories. Kaylin's relationship with her mother was very strained. And I don't know where her father was, but she seemed to be just kind of going it alone from age 15 and then cut her mother out and then was back in briefly soon after. I don't know exactly what was going on with her mom, but suffice to say it was very strained. Kaylin was with Joe, who I think is of Latino heritage. She seemed to have a very hands-on, good East Coast American family, a little bit overbearing. Certainly not a family that I would want to be dealing with in a custody dispute. Kaylin and Joe were expecting a son. They broke up. Visitation and custody and everything just got really ugly, really messy. Because at the end of the day, these moms, these very young women become mothers. And then they're having to deal with teenaged boys. And a teenaged boy, I'm sorry, you would have to be like a like a genius to be mature enough to handle something that big. I mean, adults can't handle that. Adult women can't handle that. So how's a teenage boy going to do it? So these, the boys again and again, I think it was actually probably a very bad thing for me to watch. It did not do me any favors in terms of how I regard men and their capabilities. But the boys time and time again, just really failed in a lot of areas and the moms were having to pick up the pieces. Joe seemed to be a really good dad. He was propped up by his parents though, but his connection with their son, Isaac, who's now Violet's age, who's now grown up, was really great. It was difficult for Kaylin though, because sometimes it's better when the men just fuck off. But Joe never did and now they have a good relationship. Kaylin since went on to have five total children, all boys. So she got a new partner called Javi, and she had two kids with him. See, I'll never forget this stuff. I still don't know whether the car is petrol or diesel. Um, But she went on to have two kids, and then she split up with him, and then she had another relationship that she was sort of secret about, I feel like, with this guy, Chris. And then she had some kids with him. I think the latest three kids are with him, but I could be wrong because I got busy. And she has just announced on Instagram, and now she has got herself an education. She's done this largely by herself. She has a great group of friends. She feels like a very strong, well-rounded woman who's been through a lot now. She's a great mother from everything that I can see. She's pregnant with twins. So she's about to have seven total children. Now, when you have different fathers, and they are hands-on fathers, you are spending a lot of time in the car. I mean, I feel like those visitations and all that custody is a lot of admin to be dropping different kids off different places. I think she was living in Delaware for a time. And in America, everything is so spread out. Like nobody lives close to anything. So that's a lot. But at least you are getting some time. Like these kids seem to have a lot of loving caregivers in their lives. And so I'm sure they're covered. But seven. And in announcing her pregnancy, her twin pregnancy now, with I think the same partner as the last three boys are with, I think, uh, she did a gender reveal. It's another two boys. Seven boys. And I know that I've read gender is determined by the sperm, not the egg. But this just feels like too many boys. Seven boys. No girls ever for Caitlin? None? 
And maybe that's God's way of being like, you know, God has read Sigmund Freud and God believes that like if you have had a strange relationship with your mother, then maybe your mother-daughter uh, connection and future might be a difficult one to navigate. Not impossible, but you know, difficult. So God just gave this girl boys. So but I was just totally blown away by that. I'm like, Caitlin, you're got a successful podcast. You're on television. Do gender selection something, honey, please, if you want a girl. But then... In a shock twist, one of the boys, one of the twins is a boy and the other is a girl because you do genetic testing in the early stages of pregnancy and if it picks up a Y chromosome, then it goes, well, there's a boy in there, but it didn't pick up, well, it can't pick up really whether the other twin might have or not have a Y chromosome. So if there's any Y chromosome present, it's a boy. But if you have twins, then an X chromosome just could also be in there, double X, and that's what she got. So she is having a girl. But if you have not explored this woman's Instagram, this woman's life, I mean, it, they're all captivating. But how is she doing this with seven kids? In a perfect world, if I was happy handing my kids off to different fathers, if I was happy handing my kids off to different childminders, I would love seven. But I've just learned. I don't even know now. Like Bobby and I have discussed having another one. I've discussed it on the podcast. We've gone back and forth. I feel like our kids are so wonderful, but these days I'm like, no, no more. My body is getting back to normal. My life is getting back to normal. My dogs are dropping like flies. Bobby and I have done very little socially since the kids are born. Like, how do people do it when they have that many kids? I thought I could, but the way that I parent, I just don't think I can. I think this is it because the more kids I have now, if we had another one, we would be directly taking away from the kids that are already in our lives. Or we would just have to parent everyone differently. We'd have to be like, and you are going to grow up speaking Filipino because we're just going to have to rely on Miriam a lot. Miriam speaks English to the kids. Let's not get it twisted. But like, yeah, I feel like looking at Caitlin and her seventh baby on the way was just the final straw for me. I was like, no, I can't do that. No, we can't risk Megan getting sick again. Courtney and Travis had their baby. I think they've named him Rocky 13. They publicized before he was born. That, like that was the name that they love. Uh, you know, it's not my business. I just feel like so sad that that relationship can never be as romantic and PDA-filled as it once was. They would walk around just loving on each other. He'd be grabbing her boobs. She'd have like her crotch in his face. Just very, very public displays of affection. And that's what you want with the man you have no kids with. And now they've gone and had a baby. And now she's going to be like, Travis, why am I doing all? Well, let's be honest, none of them are going to be doing the late nights, but... They've added the element, the element that takes the romance away now, haven't they? But in better Kardashian news, Kim K was named Man of the Year by GQ. And why not? Because we're not, gender just doesn't exist anymore. And I don't mean to sound like a right-wing pundit when I say that. I think it's a, it's a great thing that we are accepting loads of different types of families and people. And uh, we're having conversations about how to be your most authentic self and embracing that and having that embraced by society, fine. But yeah, I mean, why shouldn't Kim K be man of the year? She's wearing amazing suits in the pictorial. She looks fire. Everyone's really excited about it. Skims are on the everyone's lips for Christmas. And I mean lips. 
because she's come out with this amazing underwear and uh, she's just got every family advertising it but ours. Hey, Kim K, Bobby K, same last name, and I, and all of my many children and even animals are available to advertise Skims. Where is your UK family? I've seen the Mahomes family. So we love Taylor Swift. We've had to learn about American football because Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey off the Chiefs. Violet talks to me about this every day. If you want Taylor Swift updates, just go to my Instagram. Violet's on there every day talking some nonsense about Taylor Swift. I'm already in love with the Mahomes family. Patrick Mahomes is Travis Kelsey's teammate on the Chiefs just because he has a very good work ethic. Uh, I like the outside the box approach he takes to training. I like his trainer. I love his wife, Brittany Mahomes. And they have two babies, sort of same age gap as Fenna and Fred. I love them. I see even their advertising skims, family pajamas. So the US market is covered. Kim, no, let's be honest. Chris, Chris Jenner, who's got her boyfriend, Corey, doing a Dolce & Gabbana silk jammies campaign for Christmas. If you need a UK family advertise, wait a minute, no, I'm going about this all wrong. I'm just gonna buy a load of skims. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do this week. I'm going to buy a load of skins, put it on the family, do my own photo shoot, and I'm just going to upload it saying I'm advertising for skims. And then everyone's going to be like, oh my God, Catherine got a skims deal? I'll be like, yeah. Because what's a brand's going to do? They're going to send you a cease and desist to be like, please don't advertise skims. But like that takes a lot of work and like they might end up not caring in the end. They might just be like, well, that's fine. I did the very same with Taco Bell a delicious Mexican restaurant that is famed for giving its clientele diarrhea, but not me. I feel great eating Taco Bell. On tour, I discovered Taco Bells, like mostly scattered around the north of England, and I was so excited. And then I just started saying that I was the UK Taco Bell ambassador. And Taco Bell didn't blink. They just started being like, oh, are you? All right. And then they'd send me loads of shit. I got Taco Bell like mugs, socks, Taco Bell jammies, Taco Bell vouchers. It was a great time. And I feel like that's the positive attitude that you need. When you want to be the face of a campaign, just be that face of the campaign and let them tell you you're not. There's a Seinfeld episode where George Costanza just shows up for work in a job that he doesn't have. And like by osmosis, he just ends up working there. All right, watch my Instagram next week. How long does it take to order Skims? I am the face of Skims UK. <laughs> Let's take a break now and hear from our actual sponsors. And when we return, I will see what the letters hold, what you thought about last week's podcast, and what dilemmas you might have, what comments and concerns for me this week. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Some great emails this week. People are looking out for other listeners. This one came in to the woman who wrote in last week about her work probation period being constantly extended. So this is some advice from an HR person. I'm an avid listener to your podcast, Catherine. I was horrified to hear the horrific treatment described by your listener last week, who's being strung along by her company through many probation extensions. It sounds like her employer has no clue what they're doing. I've worked in HR and people for over a decade. I can say that what has happened at her work from her managers casually mentioning the private affairs of her uterus in a professional meeting to HR asking whether she wants to have children is deeply inappropriate and should not have happened. Your listener is 100% valid in her feelings and should be supported by her employer instead of singled out in this way. I'd recommend she gives ACAS a call. That's acas.org.uk and talks through her circumstances and gets some advice about her employment. It's a free service for employees to contact, and ACAS specifies specifies uh, the recognized standard of practice that all UK employers should be working towards. I hope this helps. She should either uh, hold her current employer to account or find a supportive and inclusive company that will value and appreciate her. That is great advice. Another HR consultant was horrified to hear about your treatment. I could give step-by-step advice, Catherine, but long story short, she should raise a grievance and see how well or not that's dealt with. However, my advice is to find another job and get out of that company. This is a company with a rotten culture and it's not good for her to stay there. I hate that people experience this kind of terrible employer, but it is more common than you think. You have to have two years continuous service to raise a claim for ordinary unfair dismissal. Before that, you would have to believe and be able to demonstrate that the real reason for your dismissal or constructive dismissal, if you leave and advise it's because the situation had become untenable, was discriminatory. The Equality Act specifies nine protected characteristics for which individuals should not be discriminated against, either directly or indirectly. These are age, faith or beliefs, disability, sex or gender, race, sexual orientation, gender reassignment, marriage and civil partnerships, pregnancy and maternity. The graduate could speak to an employment lawyer to discuss the situation and look for advice on whether she may have a case. If she left, she would have to write a letter which clearly documented the reasons she felt she was forced to leave. If she believes there are discriminatory elements to her treatment, it would be useful to cover that in this letter. She would have three months from her termination date to raise a claim to the tribunal. ACIS will then offer her the early conciliation process, which is always worth doing. ACAS, then get in touch with the employer to look at solving the issue without going to court. God, it's a lot of work. I mean, nobody wants to be in a tribunal system. It really is awful how the deck is stacked. Like, these employers can treat you like shit. They probably won't be held to account for it. 
it is much easier for you not to hold them to account and just to find another job because it's stressful and it's prolonged and it is a David and Goliath fight. But remember, in David and Goliath, David won. So it depends, you know. I was involved in like some legal entanglements way long ago, like at least a decade ago due to a situation. And I had a great lawyer with whom I'm still friends. And um, lawyers are mostly evil, but he was great. His name's Tim Langdon, if you want to know about him. He's excellent. He's retired now, so it doesn't matter. But he said to me, like, you know, a lot of lawyers get rich based off principle. And you can be principled and you can fight for what's right. And you can do that. Or you can just, you know, cut your losses and decide to go another way. And that's what I did. I just went, fine. And I dropped the whole fight then and there. And I just decided to focus on gratitude and think there are better things out there for me. And there were. And I I think that was in conjunction with Pam, my then therapist, who just told me, like, you know, winning isn't everything. Like, just make this person think they've won. And then you go off and live your life and win. Win bigger. And I won very big. So, like, I just... It sounds like bad advice, but I wouldn't be involved in the court system if I could ever avoid it. Although maybe you can have your cake and eat it too. You can make this claim like these HR experts are suggesting, but just mentally sort of detach yourself from it. Try to compartmentalize a bit, disassociate, and live your life and get a better job as well. I think that's it. Here is another letter uh, about the listener last week who was thinking about either moving to Italy with her boyfriend or staying in the UK. If they work for a UK entity, it's not the case that they can simply choose to work anywhere in the world. This relates to employment legislation and tax implications for the individual and the company, but contractual benefits are usually also affected. Oh yeah, because you work remotely, but that's true. If you work for a UK entity, you might not be able to go to Italy. If this woman's employer or employers, has an Italy entity, they could inquire as to whether they were allowed to transfer, but that is not a guarantee. An organization can also use a third-party company known as an employer of record who becomes the contractual employer in whatever reason, region they choose to work in, but that is an expensive option. I didn't catch whether or not the woman was already married, but there will be potential visa issues for her as sadly, UK citizens can no longer live and work in Europe freely. If her Italian partner is already working here, then it's likely he already has settled status. As the woman is keen to stay in the UK, perhaps she should look into all these things to demonstrate to her partner why the UK is a better choice. I'm with you though. I've been doing everything I could to move to Italy. Paperwork, new job, whatever. (laughs) My friend Nina, Dr. Nina, who did my Botox and filler before I freaking excluded myself from such luxuries from being pregnant and breastfeeding all the time. Though, like I said, I'm very nearly out of that game. Oh, maybe not. My boobs feel like, I don't know. But she goes to Italy all the time. And I look at her Instagram. I'm like, yeah, this is a great place. And my friend Caitlin, who's a teacher in Finland now, my best friend Caitlin, she used to au pair in Italy And it was just very interesting culture. She looked after these amazing kids. They ate like a bowl of vegetables for dinner, I think. Like I think they would start the day with huge meal and eat like sugar and pastries and fruit and Nutella and like pancakes and lovely things. And then they would have a nice big lunch, like probably pasta or something. (laughs) And then for dinner, they would have like one small bowl of vegetables. Or maybe they just had like a really fitness conscious mom. I don't know just seems like a good way to eat. 
Oh, this I can't wait for. Advice on the woman who was crushing on her physio guy. Yeah, I feel like I got this like all mixed up, but let's see what the listeners have to say. Catherine, I wanted to write in to say, as someone who also left a difficult relationship, I briefly fancied my own personal trainer. What I believe is the reason why these feelings can occur is that the person is literally being paid to help you meet your needs. They're paid to care about you and pay attention to what you say and listen to how you are currently doing with regards to your physical health. If she was in a relationship with this man, I would predict that the level of attentiveness would steadily decline. I think she should mentally acknowledge that she is paying him for a service and he's possibly viewing her as a stream of income. Yeah. Oh, isn't that something? So I think that, you know, there's a song. I fell in love with a stripper. She whined and she grinded. Do you know this song? Did I just make that up? Let's see. If the white noise is on, I can't use my phone because fun is using it. Fell in love with a stripper. No, I can't even find it. We don't say stripper anymore, do we? Oh. Oh, it's a great song. Oh, shit. Shit. I might have just turned this song on in the nursery. So there you go. So men are tricked out of their cash by exotic dancers, uh, sex workers, OnlyFans, and similar websites like that because of the connection. Like they come for the sex, literally, but then they stay for the like, oh, she actually loves me. I mean, you hear about these guys marry, like J. Howard Marshall, that very old oil tycoon who married Anna Nicole Smith. He met her in a strip club. She did what you know dancers do best and made him feel like she cared about his company and then she did fall in love with him because he was a caretaker and she valued those qualities and he fell in love with her and he would do anything for her until the day that he died which was like weeks later um and men fall for that a lot i don't hear about a lot of women falling in love with exotic dancers because we don't spend our money like that but it is the inverse of that isn't it a woman being like oh man I'm paying you to listen to how I feel. You are fixing my broken foot. You are stretching my leg, asking me how my day was, not trying to have sex with me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I fell in love with my physio. Why not? But I think that just like T-Pain falling in love with the exotic dancer, that fantasy bubble would be burst in a real relationship. And maybe the same is true for you and your physio. I don't know. Or maybe he's a really nice guy. Or maybe you want to be in a relationship where you continue to pay him to like act interested about you. That's sad advice. I wanted to think that it could happen. Here's one for the long... Oh, this is a new email. Long Distance Sisters. Catherine, my parents split when I was very young and they're now both happily remarried. My dad and his wife had two more daughters who are now 13 and 11. I'm 25. 
A few months after the older of the two was born, they all moved from the UK to the US for my dad's work, and there's been no suggestion of them coming back. My issue is that I've missed so much of my little sister's lives. I used to go over twice a year, but now as an adult, I can't afford all those flights myself. My stepmom and I have a civil relationship, but she never saw me as being part of her family, so she doesn't see my sisters as siblings. I send them letters and gifts and try to keep in touch as much as I can, but I get no updates from my dad, and they're still too young to have much direct contact. They last came over two years ago for the weekend, but before that I hadn't seen them in four years. My partner has a half-brother the same age, and seeing their amazing relationship makes me really sad for the lack of my own. Now to the issue at hand. A couple of months ago, I asked my dad how he would feel about my oldest sister coming over to the UK to stay with me next summer. She would be 14 then. I was 12 when I first flew alone to see my dad, something he had insisted on. You can arrange for escorts on and off the flights at airports, which is what I did. He said that he thought that would be great and we could arrange closer to the time. However, I spoke to him yesterday and brought it up and he told me that he and my stepmom had discussed it and they were not comfortable with it. He did admit the irony of her being older than I was, but it was a firm no. I'm sure that this was my stepmom's decision, but I feel like this is heavily influenced by the fact that she doesn't see this as a sibling relationship. Do you think there's anything that I can do to change their mind or convince them it would be okay? I have my own flat with my partner of almost six years in a super lovely, safe town, but I know that's not what it's about. I've spent the last two years pushing for them to involve me more in their lives, but I get very little back. What can I do? This is bullshit. So first of all, it's probably the little girl who doesn't want to come stay with you. No offense. It could be the stepmom, whatever. But I feel like if she hasn't even seen you in two years and she's 14, you know, because Violet's 14, there is no way that Violet would be like, yeah, let me go stay with family that I haven't seen in two years. She just wouldn't. And that's, you know, don't take that personally. That is partly because she'll be totally consumed with her own surroundings and her friendship groups and just doesn't doesn't really consider, you know, being with a 25-year-old sister as being a fun way to spend her time. Just like my 14-year-old doesn't want to spend time with me necessarily. Uh, she would fly across the world to see her cousin of the same age, but not, no, don't take that personally. Um, I feel like it is so sad because Violet effectively is half siblings with Fred and Fenna, but we don't think of it that way at all she is their full sibling like Violet stays here all the time is so hands-on with the kids I would never say like oh these are these are so-and-so's half kids and those are half kids and half sister and it's no like family's family but I can see that there is this push to um keep you out maybe the stepmom has an issue with your dad having a past or with your mom or she just feels threatened I don't know or it's just easier for her to focus on her own little what she considers to be nuclear family but I think that if you want to marry a man who has kids the most evil thing that you can do is like not embrace those kids as your own like I don't get where she's coming from with that at all and if your dad chose to move to America with his youngest daughters then he should also have a plan to keep his oldest daughter in the loop. And even though you're 25, he should be flying you over if his American job is so special and important. Economy flights to America are not that much. Like he should be saving up all year to fly you over. Like I would make that a priority. And I think that your little sisters aside, like you can send them letters. And I think it's probably really exciting for kids that age to get post 
like stickers and little updates, send them things about Taylor Swift, talk to them about Taylor Swift. That is always a slam dunk with that age group. I don't see them intercepting your mail and not giving it. You know what I mean? Like send them some nice stuff and build your relationship from now because there's nothing that you can do about the past. But ultimately, you need to hash this out with your father. Be like, you being their dad doesn't make you any less my dad. And I have a genetic connection to these girls that is not matched by the like spiritual and emotional friendship connection that I have with them because you've taken them to the other side of the world. And I would remind him that like, hey, you insisted on me coming to see you. Why did you do that? Because I'm your child. Well, these are my sisters and you're my dad. And I insist on like having a relationship with you guys. Don't, I I wouldn't worry about this visit, her coming to see you. It's just not going to work for like age reasons. But hash this out with your dad and write him letters too, if that would help. He sounds like an asshole to me. And I'm so sorry that you have a dad who has not made you more of an obvious priority as an adult. I would remind him that you never stop being someone's child, even when you're 25 and that he's hurting you. And like, what's he going to do with these girls? Just discard them when they're 25? Is he going to get like another wife? Say that to the stepmom. Be like, oh, I hope that he doesn't cut your daughters out with his next wife that he has kids with like any minute, actually, because about time's up. He's going to have kids like all 10, 15 years apart, which happens a lot. I'm so sorry for you. If anybody has any advice about how to like materially make this work that's different to what I've said, please let me know. But 100% these are your sisters and not your half sisters. Don't even let anyone use that word with you. These are your sisters. Is your dad like your half dad because he's not also your mom? What a prick. Ugh, and America probably hasn't helped him. Write me back and let me know where in America he lives. I'll get you a ticket. The ick. But wait, am I the problem? I listen to every episode as it drops, Catherine. Thank you for keeping us all entertained and counseled. But now I need your advice. I'm 27, living alone and doing extremely well in my career. All this is going to be about a man, isn't it? Men hate that. Men hate when you're doing extremely well in your career and happy and living alone and 27. They, they can like... You know, bros can smell that. They lo- it's like Bitcoin to them, you know? They're like, hmm, what's up here? How can I ruin this nice vibe? Last week, a guy who I was head over heels in love with when I was 18 got back in touch to see how I was. He smelled the Bitcoin. I thought it would be lovely to reconnect, and I thought he and I had found each other now for a reason, until immediately I got the ick. He seems to be in exactly the same place as he was when we were teenagers, wearing the same clothes and doing the same entry-level jobs. I'm going to continue reading your letter, but I don't know why. Because you need to leave him in the same place that he was. If he has not advanced at all in body, mind, soul, career, position in life, genes in 10 years, then you just need to... Call it quit. And he gave you the ick. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm head over heels in love with him. He's amazing. Like, I'm so sexually attracted to him. He listens to me on every level, blah, blah, blah. No, you're like, I have the ick and he sucks. So like, what's the problem? Why do you think that you are not worth more someone who has genes from 10 years ago, same job as 10 years ago, and gives you the ick most importantly? You're 27. I bet you think that that's old. You are a placenta in life. You are just starting to maybe be old enough to date someone seriously. I wouldn't even start that game till I'm 30. And you're entertaining like this freak incel who's playing Xbox in his mom's basement. 
I just couldn't picture any part of me falling for him, even though we got on well and he made me laugh. My concern is that I am the problem. I stopped dating a guy before because he walked weird. Another because I couldn't stand his voice. A guy I spent a whole three-hour date looking at the floor because I just couldn't stomach looking at his face. Bailed on another because he was wearing shoes that I found disgusting. Have I put a wall up that means I'm no longer able to find any man desirable? Is it rude that I found someone whom I loved so much eight years ago so repulsive now? How do I know when I should persevere with someone to see if I'm being prematurely judgmental without leading men on and hurting them? I'm so conscious of people's flaws that I think I'm struggling to see what's good about them. Help. Look, you cannot convince yourself out of the ick. I speak to women sometimes. I would say I speak to men, but I don't speak to men. I speak to women sometimes who tell me that, oh yeah, I had a bit of the ick on the first date, but then there was something that told me to see him again. And actually, then he was better. And then the ick went away. You know what I mean? To have the ick once, but there's still something in your mind that wants more and then it goes away. I feel like you can get over that. That sometimes you have an initial wall up and then you go, oh no, actually he's great. And the ick goes away and you fancy them loads. But you need to have like an internal motivation to like see more of this guy, be more with this guy, invest your time and energy in this guy. The ick is there for a reason. It is an alarm bell. And to like convince yourself out of the ick is never going to work. And I know this because I have done it. I've had the ick and been like, oh, but logically on paper. And the ick just never went away. With Bobby, actually, night one that we like reconnected in Canada, he certainly didn't give me the ick. Like I loved him straight away and we went home together. And obviously I didn't have the ick. But then in the morning... I was like, <gasps> only because I'd never had a one night stand and I was about to be late for work. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? And now like, this was a mistake and did it. Like I had this panic for sure initially. And then he left and I went to work and it took maybe three hours before I started missing him and be like, oh, and then he sent me lovely texts and then I just didn't have the ick anymore. I had walls up though. But I wouldn't describe it as the ick. But when you, you when you know the ick, you know the ick. And if it's someone's shoes or someone's voice or someone's leg, like, because they walk, whatever is giving you the ick, it, it isn't going to be about that thing. It's bigger than that. And you think it's because of the shoes. But the right guy who is worth investing your time and your heart into, there are no shoes or 10-year-old jeans or entry-level job that he could have that are going to give you the ick. And I feel like if, if you think the problem is you, like, well, it's, it's crazy because I'm just not settling. No, you shouldn't settle. You should just be single and go on all these dates and get as many icks as you can so that you figure out what you want and then pull the trigger on that when it's right in front of you. And when it's right in front of you, you'll know. Anything less and you're just convincing yourself and you're wasting your own time. Catherine, my family misses my ex. My family watched me live with an emotionally abusive husband who neglected me in so many ways. I foolishly accepted this for years, but finally I left when I realized his bad behavior was being directed toward our young children. It was a slow burn toward that final break. I remember an old episode where you said it takes a woman about 18 months. Well, it was longer for me. So naturally, but foolishly, I jumped into a new relationship straight away. After a couple months, I realized I wasn't ready. He had a few personal issues of his own that I couldn't focus on. So amicably, we broke up. Well, he was devastated. So it doesn't sound very amicably. <laughs> amicably, we broke up and he was devastated. Now my problem is my parents and siblings think that 
it was mean that I broke up with my new partner, that he's nice and he did nice things for me. Yeah, he was nice, but that doesn't mean he's the one. My sister and her husband were so angry with me for breaking up with him that we haven't spoken in weeks. How do I get them back on my side? They're my family and I love them. No one has to be in that relationship but you. And who are your family to be like, you need to let this guy be part of your life and fuck him and kiss him and be with him despite his personal issues, whatever these personal issues are. They have the audacity to call you mean. I I would sit them all down together if you can. I don't really know what parts of the world you live, but I would just be like, first of all, the audacity. Secondly, You know that I've just come out of a very difficult relationship with my children's father and then I jumped into something too quickly. So if this guy that you love, but I notice you're not currently sucking off dad, like if you love him so much, here's his number. Um, If we're meant to be together, then we'll take a cooling off period for me to just be alone and gather my thoughts and then maybe we'll pick it back up, who knows? But what's really concerning is that you feel like you have control over my life where you could tell me who to date and what to do. And like your sister is mad at you for breaking up with someone that is, I mean, how small of a town do you live in? Is it her husband's like shaman? Like how how is this her business? That floors me. I mean, my sisters, I could see them being like, oh, we really liked him. That's a shame. But they would never be mad at me. Nobody knows what goes on inside a relationship, but the two people in that relationship and sometimes the kids. Uh, So your family's way out of line. And I would also look at like, you know, what is happening in your family dynamic that not to victim blame, but like you chose to be with this emotionally abusive narcissist and they weren't mad at you then. They didn't like sound like they didn't help you out of that situation very much. And now they are manipulating you and trying to control you. I would say to them, like, look, I've made some bad decisions in relationships in the past and maybe you're worried about me. Like maybe this This anger is coming from fear that they don't want you to slip back into the abusive sort of relationship that you were in before. And they were like, oh, this guy's fine. This guy's all right. He's not hurting her. And so she should stay with him because he's like a safety raft. Uh, But no, they can't have that control over you. Just make a deal with them. Just be like, I'm going to be single for a while. I think that your anger is coming from fear. I'm not going to get with someone like my ex-husband, but you cannot force me who to be with. Do you understand how mental that sounds? And hopefully they wake up. You are totally in the right. They are totally in the wrong. Nobody can tell you how to live your romantic life. Thank you so much for all of your letters. Please write to me telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I always love to hear from you. Joanne adores going through your emails. Joanne, let's find some spicy ones next week. It was a little bit, you know, very moving letters, but low spice. Send me letters about like relationships, sex, any question that you have. I feel like we haven't had those in a while. Speaking of sex, I went to, uh, well, don't worry, there's no sex in this final story. I went to a Roman baths place yesterday with Bobby. I had a meeting downtown and then we just decided we should make some time for each other and have massages. And I thought, where can we have the best massages? And I found this place that I thought was called Air Ancient Baths because it spelled like uh, Kylie Jenner's son, Air, A-I-R-E. And it was like an old Roman baths with like arcs and like bricks and it was underground. And basically you go in there and they have like a saltwater pool and then they have like really, well, all with weird Greek names. Then they have a really cold 
pool and a vaporizer steam room with a pool and like a sort of hot pool and then a jet pool. And you just sort of like soak in all these different bodies of water like you're trying to poach an egg. Uh, It was not for me. I mean, I loved the massage. It was honestly like one of the best massages I've ever had. It wasn't a sports massage or a deep tissue massage. It was like a relaxing massage, but they do a head massage with it. Nice like foot massage. It was really expert, great customer service. And it was a couple's massage, which means we were in the same room with two different like practitioners. And I love that because it saves time. You're not like not seeing each other for an hour and then another hour back to back. But the pool bit was so fucking strange. And I thought to myself when I was in there, this makes sense from a gay perspective because I know that there are gay men who go to bathhouses. I learned that from, no offense, I'm sorry to say the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary or film, whatever that was, that they go and they're like in pools and then they shower and they have sex in these places. And I was sitting in this pool just waiting for my treatment, maybe just because I'm busy, I don't have time to relax. It seemed like a waste of fucking time just to like be in the water with other people and no one was giving any blowjobs. I sat there and I thought, well, if someone was sucking someone off right now in front of me, that would be way more interesting than what I'm doing now, which is just like sitting in a public bath. There are certain things that shouldn't be public. Like eating is public. Yes, that's about like community. And, but like people don't use the toilet in a group. And people don't need to bathe in a group. Like I was clean. You can go in the shower. And then you can go in this steam place and that cold water. And then you can go in the... No. No. I can have a shower at home and then go about my day. And it's not even pronounced air. When I walked in, the lady's like, welcome to Irie. And I was like, it isn't. No, you're, you got to be saying it wrong. It's air. No, it's Irie. I don't think so. It's not I-R-I-E. It's A-I-R-E. They must have panicked when Kylie Jenner had her baby. <laughs> they were like, oh, baby Irie. Like, uh, nope, air. Air. What is wrong with Romans? I just feel like when I was sitting in those baths, bored out of my skull, I was like, mm, I guess none of my ancestry is from Rome then. Because I just always connect with things, like Irish things. <laughs> I'm like, I must be like a Viking who came like a different way. Because that's all I could think about. Because no one was like fucking in front of me like they would if it was gay. Not that I want that. I wouldn't have liked that. I would have been very uncomfortable. But at least we would, I could get it. Then. Oh, you come here and everyone's getting sucked off. All right, makes sense. I get it. And then Bobby and I would have something to talk about at least. But uh, no, it's just like other couples like, hmm, like just sitting in the water. Like a bunch of frogs didn't like it but having said that very clean I about 400 people worked there for some reason very beautiful if you like you know I was happy that I got to see a historical Roman bath my review I mean I don't give bad reviews the massage was great so if you want a massage there get one and if you are the type of person who has like three other hours to waste around that massage then do that but I bounced right after my massage and they're like well you can go float in the salt water I said no I'm leaving and they said, oh, what was that? would you like a glass of kava? Nope. Kava. How dare you? And then I went to this really cool bar called Riot something in Covent Garden. And a really cool manager called Tom who followed me on Instagram. And they did drag brunch there. So, you know, everybody likes different things. Thank God. Or we'd all be married to my father. Thank you so much for listening. Please look after each other. I'll see you next week. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.